This episode is brought to you by Appeal, helping you enjoy your fruits and vegetables at peak freshness and reduce food waste. Learn more at appeal.com. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed on some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. It's my great honor to share that inheritance with you and to invite other farmers and chefs from Georgia and around the country to share their tips with you. So, if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land, or a seasoned farmer or cook, join the conversation. This week, I am really looking forward to sharing a conversation I had with Bronte Velez, who is the creative director of Led to Life. They called in from Alaska to talk about land liberation, collective healing, and the importance of dreaming and imagining a better future. Led to Life is an Oakland-based collective led by black and queer artists healers and ecologists who are devoted to embodying a prayer by Mark Anthony Johnson that reads, Black wellness is the antithesis of state violence. Led to Life works to bridge racial and environmental justice through public ceremonies and art practice. I learned about the organization through a short film that depicts a very powerful public ceremony they held in which they gathered in Atlanta to transform guns into shovels. The mothers of gun violence victims spoke and participated in the ceremony, and later those shovels were used to plant trees alongside victims of gun violence. So let me share some thoughts about how I felt watching that video. It, to me, the way everything was uh, showed out from the guns going into the uh, space to be melted down, to the actual finishing of the shovels, to actually the planting of the trees, it just, it was, um, it was a beautiful thing this, to watch this transformation. It was like their swords into plowshares and their shears into pruning spears, you know. And it was just, it was just really amazing and powerful to see that. And this, you know, really touches close to me because of the things that have happened recently in Brunswick, Georgia. And so I am uh, hoping and uh, looking forward to Bronte and I possibly doing something here, which we uh, just got finished discussing about this past week. So if you have not seen the video, you can find the link to the video and watch it yourself in the show notes. And now here's my conversation with Bronte Velez. I think my I think I want to start my questions off um, one with like a, a really quick icebreaker kind of a thing like. Bronte, what is the first thing you ever remember planting? Mm. <laughs> mm. Thank you for that question. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's good to kind of recall. Um, actually, one of the first things, one of my first introductions to um, my work with the land was with cacao trees. That was pretty much my, um, yeah, that is, that was like my, my opening into work with the land. I was working on a farm in Puerto Rico. That's one side of my heritage. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, she was a biodynamic, um, organic, 
predominantly cacao farmer. And uh, she was in El Yunque Rainforest, um, which I recently learned in Spanish means anvil. So I've been thinking oh. a lot about our work with um, metal metal work and just what it is wow. that, yeah, that my initiation was in El Yunque, you know, <laughs> like, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very sloped land. And I just remember how difficult it was um, <laughs> to get the trees out there. But um, yeah, cacao was was my... Kind of like the difficulty of actually taking that gun and melting it down and turning it into a shovel. Yeah. 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 That, um, that has, I remember a time where I was sort of in a industrial design and engineering process Mm -hmm. with, um, some mentors and guides for how we were going to melt the weapons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and how could we do that in public and how could we do that in a participatory way? And I remember joking where I was actually really frustrated talking to some friends I grew up with in Atlanta, like, how am I, I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to turn a gun into a shovel. And they started laughing at me (laughs) and just reflecting what a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful journey that was to try and figure that out. (laughs) Yeah. So... So that being said, I know I kind of jumped right into, and I don't even know if any of the listeners even uh, totally understand the the philosophy behind what you were doing. So give me a little backdrop on uh, Led to Life and how you all uh, came up with the concept um, of uh, turning those uh, swords into plowshares and shears into pruning shears. Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, I was working for a, as a copy editor for a Latin American um, art art publication. They were bringing um, Latin American artists into the art history canon and just making sure there's recognition um, for how much Latinx artists have, are offering um, to the art world. Yeah. And I was the last reader on um, a couple of books. And one of them was a Mexican artist, Pedro Reyes's uh, body of work, his his retrospective of his work. And I was in my um, last year, my undergraduate. Mm-hmm. And I came across a body of work of his called Palas por Pistolas and also Disarm, um, where he transforms guns into shovels and he also transforms guns into instruments Mm. and in my senior thesis I um it was kind of a hybrid fiction and um also a hybrid historical fiction and also my dissertation meditating on this future where I am working with this collective of artists who are responding to uh, who are responding to climate change disasters mm-hmm. and through through art practice and through ceremony and we're working with Pedro Reyes and we're actually in the sea islands and in the story right. and a hurricane has just happened in a post-Trump era mm-hmm. and 
um, someone, we're using the shovels to, to bury a woman that has been lost, to bury some folks who have been lost. And a little girl comes and brings me a box made of bones in the story. Um, and we learn that it's an enslaved woman who has written a text about a metaphysical rebellion that they initiated there wow. hundreds of years prior that kind of prophesied the work that we're doing. And it's that book was a plantable book and it had seeds in the pages. And I was really interested in the tactile experience or kinetic experience of a, of a book mm-hmm. where the content um, reflects the form and yeah, that kind of prophesied this work <laughs> with Led to Life. Um, it's actually pretty bizarre to look back at that text. Um, and me and a brother named Kyle Lemley, we joined something called the Spiritual Ecology Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I shared about my book called Waiting and that prophecy. And I wanted to collaborate with Pedro and also work with my parents in like imagining a Black a black food food security network in Atlanta, mm-hmm. specifically reimagining church church spaces in Atlanta. Right, right. Um, and it that kind of evolved into led to life. Okay. <laughs> That's where we, yeah. Kyle is a um, urban forestry project manager, and we kind of bridged our visions, and now it's evolved into a. A five-person team calls actually transitioning, and um, yeah, it's beautiful. We have all these black femmes and black non-binary folks on our team, mm-hmm. um, and I've been between Atlanta and Oakland and other places, um, melting the weapons in public, and also, yeah, hosting the tree planting and um, food planting work. Yeah, well, I'm getting ready to send out an open invitation to you all. I mean, you all know all of the, <laughs> you kind of know some of the backdrop of what happened here with Ahmad Marbury in uh, Brunswick, mm. Georgia, um, where I'm, mm. and that's like 10 mm. minutes from my farm. And, you know, it was, mm. it was really, you know, when I first, you know, heard about and looked at and thought about having the conversation um, with you, you know, I, I, I had been touched, but not touch this close you know what i'm saying i have experienced being stopped i've experienced some violence of my own but not this close you know what i'm saying so you know when i when i thought to try to launch this podcast and the timeliness of all the things that are going on i was like there's no way i could even get this started without like really sitting down and having a conversation with you but i also want to open up my Mm -hmm. space and the farm if you all ever want to step down to this way, and I know you're all the way in Alaska right now, which, good gracious, that's probably a whole other conversation. <laughs> but to actually have you here, have you all here, have you all on this ancestral land that I'm on, that Jupiter Gilliard, mm-hmm. you know, purchased almost 150 years ago, um, to help us do some healing here. And that's just an open invitation. Mm. You know, we can definitely talk offline like that. And I wasn't definitely trying to put you on the spot or anything. It was just, you know, I've been thinking about (laughs) this. Yeah, I know, right? I've been thinking Mm. about this for like months now and trying to figure out like, you know, who to talk to, how to have the conversation, what the conversation would be like. And, you know, just to think about Mm. taking something 
um, like a weapon and turning it into something that, uh, you know, I, I literally say there's no, uh, there's no national security without food security. And, and, Mm -hmm. and I believe Mm -hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? But I also believe Mm -hmm. that it needs to be done properly. You know, we shouldn't Mm -hmm. be taking things away just so that we can make sure we have enough avocados, you know, that kind of thing. We Mm -hmm. shouldn't be stripping rainforest to make sure that we can have the next whatever great thing that people put on the market that says that it's going to cure your life kind of a thing, you know? Like, we really need to be careful and cautious. And, um, you know, as I read the piece in uh, Lion's Roar, which is uh, Buddhist uh, wisdom for our, writ- for our times, and I know this was written like two years ago, but, I mean, even right now, this this one statement here about how in the Buddhist teachings, the wheel of suffering is driven by three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion, and that the fact that you all are transforming the guns into shovels, and this is me reading it verbatim, transforms those prisons into generosity, loving kindness, and wisdom. That being said, and I know this is, you know, might be getting really deep for other people, but where do you think our next move is to, like, you know, Black Lives Matter is a movement um, that is just, Oh my God, like it's just amazing how people have come together to to really understand peaceful protest and even though other people are bringing violence into it and things like that. But, you know, how do we mend? You know, and I know that planting is like one thing, but, you know, if, if you have a philosophy on that or a conversation, um, I'd really like to open the floor up for a few moments to have you just kind of, you know, I don't know, dream a little bit. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, first I love to say I'm I am really with um just joining you in that land and I look forward to sharing my dream with you about being in that land and how that realm already sort of prophesied my my being there. Okay. Um and so I I I feel compelled to be there and I also um, yeah, I'm curious about in the wake of police brutality and in the wake of, uh, racial terror lynching, mm-hmm. um, that, that energy gets caught in our atmospheres and, um, it gets caught in our bodies and it gets caught in our, our spirits and our memory. And so I'm, yeah, I can just think about, you know, you saying that that land is, 10 minutes away from where Maude was killed. And um, yeah, I just, I'd love to sit with what's being asked um, to be, to be repaired there. There's so much um, that's irreconcilable actually also. And I've, I think there's something about led to life's work that compels me to draw upon agreements that maybe won't happen in our lifetimes Mm. and um, agreements of liberation that are elsewhere. I'm very interested in the histories of Black uh, fugitive communities and Black maroon communities and people who decided to steal away into something else um, and decide something else was true despite what 
you know, was given or what was told was going on. We'll be right back after a short break. This episode is brought to you by Appeal. Here at HRN, we care about reducing waste across our food system, from farms to home kitchens. We know that about half of the produce we grow ends up in the trash. We all want to enjoy produce at peak freshness and reduce the amount that gets thrown away. That's where Appeal comes in. Appeal is a plant-based protective layer that helps produce last up to twice as long. It's edible, invisible, and imitates how peels naturally protect fruits and vegetables. Because here's the thing, less waste doesn't just mean we're throwing less food away. It also means we waste less water, energy, and other resources that go into growing produce. Appeal works with nature to reduce waste across the food system from the farm to the kitchen. Appeal helps us conserve our precious resources to ensure we have fresh food to meet our growing need. Appeal, food gone good. Learn more at appeal.com. The Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture will be hosting their annual Young Farmers and Cooks Conference virtually this year on December 8th through 10th. Programming will cover topics like mutual aid, regional grain economies, land management practices, and much, much more. Whether you're a farmer, cook, butcher, miller, preservationist, processor, or anyone else in the food chain, this conference is for you. Learn more at stonebarncenter.org slash YFCC. Welcome back to Jupiter's Almanac. Let's jump back into the conversation with Bronte Velez, the creative director for Led to Life. We dive into the emotions that their work embodies. Yeah, I, I remember recently I was offering a workshop on Led to Life and this Black um woman in the workshop, she said she was grieving at the end to see our work. Um, mm -hmm. And she was like, this work is so beautiful, but I'm also with what it means that you're doing this work. And where does rage live in your work? And um, I was sharing with her that I actually am in so much pain and in so much grief. And there is a decision that you know, the the Negro spiritual of like, um, you know, the joy, I got I got joy in my heart and the world didn't give it to me. Oh, yeah. And the world mm. didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Oh, girl, you're um, saying a word now. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's something else. It's It, it has no bearings here um, mm -hmm. and no legibility. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in Black liberation that's ecological. And that's not contingent upon, you know, these systems giving us anything, right. which I think there is something to say about there are things that need to be repaired in mm -hmm. this, in these systems. But there's also something that's beyond this um, <clears throat> that I want and that I seek for our for our people. And that's intimacy with the land and that's reliability with the land and um yeah, just all these other beings um, that we're losing that are going extinct every day. I just really feel them. I feel them getting yesterday to see a glacier for the first time wow, here in Alaska. Yeah. Um, and just to, I was just, my heart was just in so much both awe and pain mm -hmm. around 
climate change and just the millennia that it took for that glacier to form Mm -hmm. and how, how quick, uh, the land is being disappeared. And I feel that their, their relationship to us, to black people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'd love to see a black ecological liberatory practices and, and ones that are prophetic and creative and where we can live, live that freedom out in real time, not in the future, but we can, we can make that space together. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not only down for that, so to speak, or (laughs) want to be more than woke to make that happen. You know, I, I have, Mm -hmm. I have invited many of people to come to our farm, just, just come and just feel it. And every time someone Mm -hmm. comes here, they go, man, you're like, soon as I turned on to the road, I felt something. And I'm like, well, what, you know, mm-hmm. I've always asked people, like, well, describe what it is you think you felt. And and it doesn't matter who, who they are, white, black, purple, green, whatever the nationality, <laughs> no matter where people are from, when they come up on this farm and they hit these Spanish moss, live oak trees mm-hmm. and all that, they're like, mm-hmm. I feel like I got taken back in time. I was like, yep. I was like, and guess mm-hmm. what? everybody's ancestors are talking to them. This this place mm-hmm. right here is a place for mm-hmm. people to come and connect with. And I think, you know, I really love the fact that you talked about the land as part of liberation because I think that all I think that when Jupiter thought about buying these 476 acres of land that he was mm-hmm. really realizing that you know, cuz he could have just got an acre, right? Like he could have just mm-hmm. got like one little acre of land and put a house on and been good, right? You know, he could have married mm. Rena and, and just been fine, but instead it was 476 acres of land, mm. you know? And now we mm. have, you know, a lot less than that, but we got lots of family out here, you know, lots of connections mm. out here. And I think that that when we're talking about land and liberation, that we have to be willing to also have kind of the conversation about, what it took the ancestors to do what they've been able to do. And then to also look at like actually how the tools that they created were multi useful. Mm. And I, I like the fact when, when, you know, cause, cause when you, you mentioned rage and you, you know, you we're talking about taking guns and turning them into shovels, but, but being able to still be able to protect yourself, and still being able to mm-hmm. protect those that you love is still very important, mm-hmm. right? And I think that mm-hmm. we have to, it's a both and. Yeah. You know, and that, that peaceful demonstration um, is, is, can only stay peaceful if everybody is, for, for the, the onlookers and those that are doing for them to stay peaceful, you know? And that the flip to that, though, is still being able to kind of being able to understand that, you know, I need the there needs to be a fallback. There needs to be a there needs to be a place we need. You know, we need our healers involved, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. that there's all these Mm -hmm. different connections of things that we have to understand has to come with uh, land liberation and conversation about all of it. And that, you know, talking about it from a theoretical perspective standpoint is heck of a difference than actually being on the ground because when you're 
in this 102 degree, 118 degree heat and talking about land liberation, <laughs> I got lots of folks that be like, nah, that ain't for me, dog. Nah, I can't be out there. It's just too hot. You know what I'm it's saying? Mosquitoes. Yeah, these mosquitoes, these gnats. And I'm just talking about like in my one little place, you know, other people got, you know, other people worrying about bears and snakes and all kind of other stuff. But no matter where yeah. you are, you know, um, it's work, you know, and to understand mm. that what you all are talking about doing so far as making the, you know, making this major change, like not one of those shovels that are made happen overnight so to speak like it mm-hmm. takes time like mm-hmm. it and and that time that you all put in between the melting um between mm-hmm. the banging of the metal you know to get out some of that rage you know um all mm-hmm. of that takes time and our land liberation is going to take time and it's going to take work mm-hmm. like it's physical work mm-hmm. that you all do like when you watch that video like i'm sitting there like Man, that dude is, wait, she is banging the heck out of it. Like, do you know how many taps <laughs> it takes to move that thing from the shape that it's in, the mold that it came out of to turn it into a shovel? Like, that's the same amount of work that it's going to take to actually be able to do all of that land liberation. It's the exact same amount of work. And I want to be able to say that I commend you all for even stepping into this arena to even think about doing that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I would definitely like to bring you back on for us to actually have a, a conversation about land liberation and actually what that work as a collective um, would look like. And maybe we can do a panel on that. Yeah. Let's do a panel um, yeah, where we, where we yeah, where we talk about what it takes to, you know, work as a collective, even from a distance, like, I always tell people, like, mm-hmm. you know, me sending seeds from here to Oakland is part of land mm-hmm. liberation. You know what I'm saying? Me, mm-hmm. me, yeah. And, 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 and all of those connections, like, we, like it, it ain't all going to happen in one place. Like, you know, all the black folks ain't going to move to mm-hmm. one spot. You know what I'm saying? But, right. yeah, right. but, yeah, but we have to, you know, we have to create our networks and our conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, if our ancestors brought those seeds in their hair, like, we need to be able to, you know, figure out what our system is with all the technology that we have now um, to, to, to keep that same momentum um, mm. that you were that you were talking about um, a little bit earlier. So, yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. I, you almost got me on a tangent. Oh. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm so grateful for the um, reflecting the time that it takes to liberate land I'm often kind of like well what is that what does that mean um and and sometimes to think about the land also as already um free but what's in the way of those what's in the way of those what's in the way of that freedom or touching into that right touching into that freedom Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's helpful to track the time um and to feel humility and gratitude for the time that it's taken to arrive to this moment and all that is yet to come. Um, I definitely, there's definitely other visions um, I've been having for Led to Life. And primarily it's been coming up for me recently about uh, relationship with place because I, that was the original intention. And 
now I'm finding ourselves, you know, during the pandemic on the computer and we're trying to do online stuff and it's not what's being asked. (laughs) It's not what the work is. Um, And many of us on the team, we're, we're craving um, connection with, with place and the ancestral memory that comes from that uh, relationship and the, the knowing that comes from working with the soil mm-hmm. um, and the time, the time that it takes where you can really feel, you can feel um, the humility of, of the time that it, that it requires. Right. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also, I'm grateful to feel the lineage of the land you get to steward. Um, and yeah, Jupiter's, you know, prophecy of, of that. And, um, his name really, and the, and this name of the almanac really has me thinking about, um, uh, amazing scholar, James Pittiglione, who I always reference and really informs led to life's work, um, who has an article called cosmic literacies and black fugitivity. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking about, um, you know, these moments in time where just the what's available to us through the stars and through time, um, these these specific dates where people have set out um, motion for us that we can reference in our liberation movements. And it really makes me think about, yeah, Jupiter's name mm-hmm. <laughs> and that place and what, what information is available Um in that land. Ooh, it's deep. Yeah. <laughs> well, that being said, I, I'm going to close this out by asking that question. So tell me about this dream you have of being here at Gilyar Farms and just being on this land, <laughs> if you can, you know. T- tell us about this dream. Yeah, well, I am walking in what I thought was Antarctica, Um but I am in an Arctic landscape <clears throat> and I'm so surprised that I'm approaching the farm because I'm on my way there, but I'm in this snow Okay. and it's a completely different landscape than I imagined. And there's all of these mountains around and um, I'm really trekking to get there. And I'm shocked when I approach these, these, what look like Tibetan Buddhist temples um, that are, they look very similar to temples I've visited in the Himalayas. And I'm shocked that you're there at the opening of the temple. And I come in and it's a totally different landscape that's inside of the temple. Okay. But it's surrounded by snow and there's nothing else around. There were two temples. uh, There were lots of black children around and, um, there were people, you know, like preparing, um, there was seed harvesting going on and there were things being dried and it felt like a seed bank. There you go. And I was just being, I was just experiencing the tour. So I'm just, yeah, to have seen the glacier yesterday and then to be talking to you today and recall that dream. I was like, oh my God, where was I transported? Right, right, um, right. Well, I mean, that yeah. that might be the prophecy, right? That might be the prophecy that maybe one of your next stops will be 
um, right here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Well, let me give a big thank you to Bronte. I really appreciate your time. I know you were having a great time in Alaska and watching the glaciers and the run on the salmon. So I am like thoroughly excited about more collaboration with you and Led to Life and just, you know, working on the wellness of our community, which I, I believe that um, as our community heals, um, the world starts to heal. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Bronte Velez. Our executive producer is Kat Johnson. Jupiter's Almanac is also produced by Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by the Joy Drops. Jupiter's Almanac is powered by Simplecast. Jupiter's Almanac is a production of Heritage Radio Network the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And we want to hear from you. Send us any questions in writing or as voice memos that we can help answer on the air at jupitersalmanac at heritageradionetwork.org.